Are you a difficult person? Do you know one? Whether it's you or another person, what are the traits of a truly difficult person and how do we deal with them as Christians? Welcome to Word for the Week, Season 2, Episode 43. Today we discuss difficult people and how to deal with them, a challenge none of us gets to avoid. Okay, what got us to this difficult <laughs> da, 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 subject? <laughs> yeah, the difficult quote-unquote subject. Well, currently we are, as we know, we're in a mm -hmm. Sunday series called Life Sappers, the idea being looking at those things, those factors in life that can be a strainer or a downright suck the joy out of life and the life out of your faith. Right. And one of the obvious causes, and as you said, no one gets to avoid, is the fact that you're going to run into difficult people and they can really suck the joy out of things. So, difficult people. Well, what do we mean by difficult? Well, we're going to uh, present clinical and biblical insights in, in, uh, in our material here. Uh, but let me start with this uh, difficult personalities. Even as we look at the factors... We understand they exist on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, we have people who are everything from um, a little extra work to get along with to those who are downright toxic or uh, even pathological. So, right. you know, we're, we're, we're talking the full gamut here. Now, we're not delving into scripture as much as we usually do this week. So what approach did you have in, in mind for this? Yeah, as far as the approach, here, here's, here's my thought on it is, the idea with Friday uh, podcast or webcast is to offer a solid picture of when we say difficult person or personality, what we're what we're talking about, what uh, the Bible and clinical psychology calls a difficult person. Mm -hmm. So we set up a firm foundation for speaking on Sunday, and uh, Sunday's message is basically going to be looking at the 12 apostles, those whom Jesus chose. Right. And uh, looking at, quite frankly, some of these elements in them. Uh, and it leads us to a way of seeing, you know what, um, if these people were this way in the very first church, then it's not surprising if we find the same personalities exist in the church today. So, And the Bible's good that way. We get to see the apostles' warts and all. So. <laughs> And that's a really interesting approach, and yeah. uh, I look forward to this. We're starting um, with the modern application and working back to the biblical model. Now, usually we do it in the opposite, the opposite order. Right. So yeah. if people want the full discussion, they'll have to view or listen to next week's Sunday follow-up. Yep, and uh, this is, yes, we'll admit it, a shameless plug <laughs> so that if you're, watch, you're watching or listening to the Friday web slash podcast you can also tune into the same uh, platform you're using and get the fuller picture, which we hope is fuller and more helpful, by following up on Sunday as well. Now, we started with something a bit fun, uh, maybe a bit risky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's a website called IDR Labs, or Individual Differences Research, mm -hmm. and they offer a variety of simple self-tests focused on different personality leanings. And one of those tests, yes, they had all is to determine if you are a difficult person. Mm -hmm. And we've got a link in this episode's manuscript. Yeah, that's correct. And... Uh, uh, this is where we talk, getting a little risky is that we did the tests and then we did the test on each other to, to see how it would work out. So, uh, right. 
that's uh, it should be interesting to see what happens. Here. And maybe we should offer a disclaimer. Don't don't try this one at all. Don't try this <laughs> only for professionals or good natured couples like yes. us, <laughs> because it could get messy. You know, it's uh, depends how honest you are with yourself. But I'll say we I think we had a lot of fun yeah. doing it, like that kind of thing. Okay, before we show the world our results, maybe you could tell us what clinical research it was based on. Uh, yeah, the test was constructed. Uh, this is a, in our own disclaimer. It's constructed by uh, the internet folks who use it, but it is based on solid uh, clinical research and and like we say in the manuscripts, there are um, links into to getting to this stuff, and you can find uh, the references there on their site. And the basis of the research was what they call the structure of antagonism. Structure of antagonism. And, okay. and this structure is really, uh, if it were a fabric, considered of woven seven different uh, traits mm -hmm. um, that we'll give a quick summary of uh, between you and I on what these seven traits are. And depending where you fall on, once again, the spectrum of these right. uh, tells you if you're a difficult person. So we did this. So Okay. Uh, let me uh, let me throw out the word, and right. then you can uh, explain it to us a little bit now. I will do it. Okay. Number one of these traits they call callousness. And that's insensitivity or even cruel disregard for others. Okay. And grandiosity was number two of the trait. An unrealistic sense of superiority, a basic trait of narcissism. Right. Uh, three is a uh, factor was aggressiveness. That kind of figures. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's right. <laughs> Can you explain that again, please? <laughs> okay. Um, aggressiveness is forceful behavior with little regard for getting along with others. It's okay to be a little aggressive and getting those words out, honey. Uh, number four is suspicion. Suspecting something is wrong with little or no proof. Okay, and here it goes. This is the hardest one, as they put together, to say. Man manipulativeness. Yay. So to manipulate, but to be manipulativeness. Right. In influencing the behavior or emotions of others for one's own purposes. Okay, dominance. Having power and influence over others. Okay, and risk-taking. Acting impulsively without considering the effect of those around one. Yeah, and that's, as we say, the idea, it sounds kind of uh, like a, a wonderful thing, but the idea is taking a risk with yourself <laughs> with no regard to other people around you. Right. I, I guess the picture for me is some guy who's thrill-seeking going 90 miles an hour down the road in his car, and he doesn't care that he has four other people <laughs> screaming in the car, slow down. <laughs> so anyway. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, and as I look at these things, it strikes me that they're, they aren't necessarily negative things. It's more like you said in the beginning. It depends on the level and also the situation. Yeah, the level and the situation. I mean, as far as, like, for example, I was trying to think a few of these, like take the uh, aggressiveness mm -hmm. or, uh or dominance is imagine somebody is a, a drill sergeant in the military. Right. Well, they better have a certain level of assertiveness as they're they're training soldiers. However, if they take that same level of of, of aggression home, they'll probably end up uh, losing their wife and traumatizing their kids. So right. the situation does play a part in there. Right. Or suspicion. 
as in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men. Yeah, so we got to keep this in mind. Jesus himself said, beware of men. So we need to be aware uh, right. of people. and We need to be aware of situations. But I guess what we're getting at is suspicion uh, it becomes paranoia if it, if it reaches toxic levels. Right. So now after a look at the concepts behind the test, um, honey, are you and I difficult people? Are we difficult? That's <laughs> difficult to answer, hon, especially to each other. But let's give it a shot, and okay. we'll start with me, and we'll, and we'll bring up some graphs, uh, uh, the results of them. Mm -hmm. as we look. So just so people know as they look at this, um, I found it a little bit confusing at first until I, I put in extreme numbers. But how it worked was in the survey, if you're uh, the more difficult you are, the higher the percentage number was. Right. So survey says when we started <laughs> with the first one, Kevin judged by or tested by Kevin, I was 35% difficult. Okay. Uh, Kevin judged by Kathy was a better 22.86%. So <laughs> I'm glad it's you saw me less difficult than I see myself. So let's take a look at the graphs and, and, and see what we see. In well, there. like you just said, um, I saw you um, less difficult than you saw you. Yep. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, something that struck me, the, the, the patterns were fairly close. Um, we both saw my aggression and grandiosity about the same. You saw, yeah, like, you saw me a little bit more. So maybe <laughs> I think a little more myself than I should. Well, and, and um, I guess I saw you. Who saw you? Let's go. Calluses. You saw me less callous, according to the. Uh, yeah, I got to find the right one. Yeah. Um, and um, I, it really is funny. We're. we're we are pretty close. Yeah, so it seems like you know me. Um, yeah. Dominance was a little lower. And dominance is interesting because it's influence on people. It's like um, that could be taken the way that you you think that I'm, I um, see me a little less in, in trying to affect other people, you know, in a negative way. Or it could be as a, honey, you don't have all the effect you think you do. <laughs> but anyway, with the questions, a little less dominant. Um, um, significantly. A lot less on risk-taking. Risk yeah, so I'm not that James Bond type I think I am. <laughs> um, less on manipulativeness, so that either means I'm, I'm very good at it. <laughs> I'm pulling the wool over your eyes, or, or that's good. I'm less than I think I am. And, and, uh, less than suspicious. Yeah, less than suspicious, which you and I are not really suspicious people, either of us. Mm, so no. I agree with that. So, yeah, so that's pretty good. Okay, now let's see how <clears throat> I did. Yeah, how did you do? Me by me, 12.14%, and me by you, 17.86%. Okay, <clears throat> and this is where I dig myself out of a marital yes. hole. Yes. Um, <coughs> I don't think it's because it was harder on you. I had a theory on this because I had to look things over <laughs> pretty closely to see how did this happen. And this is a conclusion I came with. As we know, when you were doing the test, the way it worked, you could you could agree, disagree, or strongly agree or disagree. And right. I think it was kind of a style in which I was more conservative in how I agreed or disagreed 
so it would throw my numbers because uh, mm -hmm. I never saw anything <laughs> a whole lot differently than you did. But yeah. now that's as far out of the hole as I can dig. So let, <laughs> let, let's look at some insights. What do we see? Well, the first obvious one, we I'm less difficult person. Well, the, you're less difficult. And that was uh, <laughs> unanimous between both of us. We said, yes, Pastor Kevin is the more difficult individual. So no <laughs> argument here. Um, and the graph patterns are more similar yeah. than yours. Yeah, they were even more mm. similar. Yeah. And, and the way I, I took this is mm. um, if you saw yourself in a certain way and somebody outside you who knows you well saw you in a certain way and it was mm. in, and they're the same, that means you must be f pretty self-aware. Uh, so they call that emotional intelligence mm. today. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, uh, the old word would be maturity. And if anybody asked, <laughs> who's more mature, Kevin or Kathy? I think there'd be very few people who would not say it was you. <laughs> it was you. You're the more mature one. So. Uh, well, and of course, everything isn't, like we said earlier, depends on the situation, too. Mm -hmm. Two totally different situations could, you know. Yeah, because as we look bring at... Bring out more of one... One thing, too, in, yeah. in, in, the, in that, because... Well, it's good we saw, um, I saw he was less manipulative, so I don't know, maybe you're the same. Maybe you're just good at it, too. Uh, uh, slightly more risk-taking, and I don't even know how that happened other than the, the style in which we did it. Hmm. Uh, dominance is an interesting one for you, be, <laughs> simply because depend if it's something really important, like usually you're, you, know, you just flow, but if it comes to something like the worship music for Sunday and stuff... <laughs> Nobody messes with Kathy on that. Um, <laughs> probably less than suspicion because you are not a suspicious person. Uh, lower on grandiosity, uh, dominance. And um, the thing with some of this too, like we talked about on the spectrum, mm -hmm. is that you you would want some of this because if, right. you're, if you're at the highest level, grandiosity is okay, you're deluded. But if you have none... It, then you'd have no self-esteem. Yeah, no <laughs> uh, personality whatsoever. <laughs> and, and even with the things like on the um, suspicion, is that if you were a little bit up on the suspicion scale, mm. uh, that means at least you know it's just that you don't believe everything you have. If you were zero, mm. I think then you would be gullible, and of course on the far end you'd be paranoid. So there is a spectrum, mm. uh, and which led me to a conclusion. I was as I looked at these graphs, we can see there this radial graph. If you were just bullseye in all of these, just zero, um, I think all that would really tell you is you don't have a personality. Right, right. <laughs> you, you've got no character. You're spineless. Right. Uh, but the the fact is, I think uh, is it would be healthy to have some some level of number in there. Right. It's fairly safe to conclude that everybody um, would have some modest percentage. But, yeah. But like you said, what if they are extreme. You know? Yeah, if you, that's and of course that's what they're getting at. Mm. And in the research, one thing they mentioned because they'll explain a lot of the background. They talk about something called a dark triad. <laughs> that sounds yeah, kind of, it sounds like deep something and mysterious. <laughs> something out of Star Trek, you yeah, know, or, yeah. or Star Wars rather. Uh, but in this, they they talked about. Um, uh, different types. Yeah. I'm assuming three. Three as in triad. <laughs> right. <laughs> gives it away. So the three things uh, they, they were looking at that they call this dark triad, 
And I, I think it's because people who tend to go uh, pathological, socio uh, sociopathic or whatever, um, these three things are either in conjunction, uh, the, I guess are the things they find, find huh? uh, most commonly. Narcissism, of course, um, can be part of that. Machiavellianism, which is simply, <laughs> yes, it is. Say it fast three times. I can't. Uh, but basically somebody being, um, I think it comes from the whole spy thing, somebody being duplicitous, um, hidden motives, twisted motives. Uh, the the uh, third thing is psych psychopathy. Psychopathy, <laughs> which you can say better than me, but I, I said I take the heat on that word too. But I found this one really interesting of all of them because uh, once again, there's links that you can look more in depth if you want on the manuscript. But the things in this, I wrote more on this because uh, I found it really intriguing uh, in the uh, transcript here is one was targeted charm, which I found very interesting. Is hmm. It's one thing to be charming, but... It's someone who reads you and says, well, they pick up what you like, so they turn into that. Ooh. So, that, so Ooh. they become what you like. Uh, manufactured negative reactions, um, uh, which ties in with uh, one further down, turning people against each other. But the manu manufactured negative reactions. We were talking the other day, and I said, one time... Uh, I I felt, uh, it struck me curious, but it's interesting to see and hear. I think this may be what they get at, is <clears throat> it had to do with, it sounds bad, but the uh, children's camp, one of the children's camps we were at, mm. and we were taking, uh, we had clipboards, and we were had to get basic information on kids mm. coming in, and there was this other this lady I didn't know, this younger woman and me, and we were doing this. And kids were shy, you know, as they come sure. in, especially with a with a man. They right. And it was very noisy, and I had a hard time hearing. So it was a bit of a frustrated phrase, and well, can you say that again? And I was writing it down, and this girl, look at him, he's freaking out. He's freaking out about this. And I said, well, I know I probably had a slightly frustrated look and says, you know, but she was like uh, over the top on on this thing as if, mm -hmm. I don't know, as if, as if beating kids coming in the door or something. And I thought, what a curious reaction. What yeah. did she hope to get out of this? Because it, it was obviously a synthetic reaction, hmm. but it may fit in with this. I mean, a manufactured negative reaction. I mm -hmm. think um, some things we see like um, uh, to cover things out, if you you were to, uh, you and I are having a conversation and, and you say something, just a matter of fact, how could you say that about me? You know, and I go, mm. what? You know, uh, so it's it's that type of a, a deflection thing going on. Mm. Lying with no clear motive fits in, in with this uh, psychopathy, uh, <coughs> which is basically lying for the fun of it. Mm. Uh, real red yeah. flag, yeah. Uh, yeah. incapable of guilt or shame, uh, and, and that's a creepy people yeah. uh, when you run into people that are like that. Mm. Um, really kind of a hobby of turning people against each other. Mm. Uh, cognitive dissonance, and that's a term basically I think we, we call it gaslighting nowadays, is the idea of 
uh, we, somebody does something to break down your self-esteem or even that you're sane. Um, I, I'll give you a quick example as we're reading on some of this is <clears throat> you come in the house, uh, you put your car keys on the table. I deliberately take them and put them somewhere else. And you come back, where are my keys? And I say, well, you never put them there. Um, mm. you, you, boy, you better stop being so forgetful. And, mm. you know, I deliberately set up something for you to doubt yourself. Mm. And that mm. is apparently a, a real problem in a lot of relationships going on, oh, a sad. way of gaining control. But mm. these three things are called the dark triads. It sounds like extreme versions of what the Apostle Paul calls works of the flesh. Mm -hmm. I mean, he says the Galatian church was running well, but got tripped up by legalism and these things in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Right. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and yeah, and just to be clear here too, we, we kind of, we skipped over certain things he mentions, but these things are definitely right in the wheelhouse of, of uh, these um, uh, toxic things we're talking about, difficult right. things we're talking about. Um, and the reason we bring them up biblically is in the tragedy of it is that these things are in churches mm -hmm. and people who show up in churches um, which means that you may have an individual that they've been a solid churchgoer. They're there as much or more than other people, but because these things are their nature, God himself says clearly, if this is you, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So mm. there is the ultimate tragedy of what we're talking about. And this is a good example of a thought we often share. Eternal life starts now, but so does hell. Uh, yeah, that's a big thing is because um, a complaint about Christianity can be, oh, yeah, that's that's quite a, a, a scam is uh, sell people a bill of goods uh, for after they die in the afterlife. And it's like, no, eternal life is something that starts now. For instance, yeah, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 also talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Right. And if those factors are, are in a collective nature of a group, you are really experiencing what eternal life is about. It's a reflection of heaven right now. Right. And in the same regard, if you look at the sick elements we're talking about, and that marks a collective group of people, people are getting hurt, people are suffering, people are falling off the rails. Right. It, it's an echo of hell. Mm -hmm. you know? And um, all the same traits, just not in their full um, eternal effect yet, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they may not be fully manifested. That's the hope of Christianity. What we know now, we shall see face to face. All right. Um, but, but it is still that reflection going on. And uh, it's, it's really kind of mind-bending because if you go back to the very beginning of the church, as far back you know, as Judas... Uh, something that we have to realize is a reality of things is that there are people who literally bring hell into the assembly of God. Uh, yeah. yeah. As we looked at ourselves, it reminded me of something we're instructed to do in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah, that's a really introspective going there. And of course, the opposite is walking in the flesh. Uh, God, I'm not going to look into myself and I'm going to try not let you look in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go where these pathologic, pathological traits are bringing me. Hmm. I'm going to walk in the flesh. Hmm. Uh, so that's the opposite of what you just read. Okay, we looked at ourselves, but how about in general? What are signs that anyone might be a difficult person? Yeah, whoever it is, difficult person. Mm -hmm. and, and from looking at uh, quite a lot of biblical and clinical material, there's, there's a lot of traits and explanations. But we're just going to take the most common traits in, in the interest of time, and we'll, and we'll look at those as things I found across all articles and research. Mm -hmm. So let's use our usual formula. We'll have you, we'll start this way. We'll have you mention a trait and then I'll try and offer some brief explanation of it. Okay. Right. Okay, here we go. Unwilling to compromise. Okay, bottom line is uh, this fits in with that emotional intelligence we were talking about earlier and self-aware. Mm -hmm. Is that a self-aware person like yourself realizes that uh, we can't, uh, we have to pick our battles. And there are some things where you just compromise in, and there are other things that that you better not. And, and it's really in this maturity is knowing the difference, but you do compromise. Uh, and if you know anyone who doesn't compromise in any form or fashion, they, they very quickly um, diminish into a, a kind of a very childish, petty person. Right, right. Okay, next, routinely frustrated with others. Okay, yeah, they, this factor of frustration. Now, everyone experiences frustration, and we have disappointment in others. But what they're getting at here as far as a, um, a difficult person is, if that's a dominant feature in one's life, is right. like, if everybody frustrates you, maybe they're not the problem. Mm -hmm. And when you, and it may be something as uh, straightforward as you have unrealistic expe uh, expectations of, of the people you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But if you're a friend or even worse, a family member that you're trying to deal with this and, and, a, and you're always just a point of frustration, that's a pretty difficult relationship. Mm. Yeah. Okay, our next one is arguing rather than listening. Yeah, now this is um, not listening generally comes from a, a subtle or an overt sense of superiority. Uh, why should I listen to you when our, I already know better? Mm. Uh, that type of thing. So arrogance. And arrogance is very hard for, for anyone to stomach. And if you see yourself as superior, well, how it's going to turn out, you'll listen little and argue much. Yeah. Okay, next we have a practice of complaining often. <laughs> complaining often. And uh, we all complain to some degree. Uh, and, and a little bit of complaining actually can draw people together. Mm -hmm. But when it's your default... Um, you become known as a negative person. And the thing about being a negative person, uh, it's an unhealthy thing as well. 
So healthy people and positive people at some point will reach a limit, and that's all they can take of that. Mm-hmm. So you lose friends. Right. And anyone that you do hang on to is probably going to be not healthy and not positive. So it, it's a real, real dangerous thing. All right. This next one, the other person is always the problem. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we call it the victim mentality. Uh, yeah. But somehow, and and you can follow these trends in people, somehow it's never them. Mm-hmm. It's always the other person, the other group. Um, that's what went wrong. And, and, the, and there's a tragedy in it is that if you're that type of person, you never own your mistakes. Right. And we know that. If we don't own our mistakes, we never learn. And if we never learn, we never grow up. Yeah. So you end up with some this 45-year-old man-child or whatever, and, and a 45-year-old kid is, in, in this context, not, not very attractive person, very difficult. Yeah. Okay. Um, and our last one, I think it's our last one, um, a mindset of judging quickly and forgiving slowly. Yeah, <clears throat> and if, if it's um, um, really, you know, it might even have been a fair judgment, like someone legitimately, uh, a flaw or mistake they made, but you freeze them, that's it in time, they are set in cement. Mm. You give no possibility in your mind that they could evolve or change or improve. And what you end up then with is holding a grudge. Hmm. And uh, you end up never seeing them any better, so uh, the resentment can never be repaired, which is a difficult situation. Hmm. Now, like we mentioned, you can't help but run into difficult people. So what are some constructive ways we can deal with them? Okay, so constructive ways. And once again, we the, here in it, since we're looking at clinical stuff and biblical there was a, a lot of parallels. Mm-hmm. So we'll look at common sense as well as uh, having it prefaced by godly wisdom, if you will. Yeah. I'll say um, these are things you can do, and then you can maybe offer us a little bit of explanation. Okay. So one thing we can do with difficult people is expect God. Expect God. Everything is in God's control, so expect Him to be doing something in your interaction with a difficult person. Maybe you're a chance for them to change, and very likely God's growing you through the experience. But expect that God has a purpose in the situation. Right. Another thing we can do is pray. Pray for yourself, for patience, wisdom, but also pray for that difficult person. God has a way of keeping our compassion and discernment alive when we bring the challenge to him. Yeah, and pray really resonated. We had uh, Jim Halstead in last week mm-hmm. uh, with evangelism. He mentioned prayer, and it is, it is. he's very right uh, in that it resonated with me that it's very hard to honestly pray for someone and resent them at the same time. Right. So right. prayer is big. Another thing we can do is give them grace. God has given grace to you and tells us to do the same to others. For us, it might mean remembering when we've made similar mistakes or struggle with the same problem. Mm-hmm. It might also help you to remember that at some time with someone, you were the difficult person. Yeah. Another thing we can do is do your best to accept them without trying to change them. Ah, this might involve listening to them, getting their point of view, even if it's simply to understand what makes them tick. 
pointing out their flaws or confronting them with corrections will almost, almost always guarantee the difficult person will retreat even further into their difficult behavior. At least if they feel they're heard and understood, there's the chance they'll feel safer and willing to open up. Yeah, and of course, the more we're talking adults, the more that part is true. Mm. Another thing we can do is simply love them. And we're talking about 1 Corinthians 13, love. It's not a question of your emotions towards them, but your intention. Basically, 1 Corinthians is all about looking to their welfare and resolving to do no harm. Yeah, and that's a big thing. Uh, Not the warm and fuzzies, Mm. but you can resolve in yourself not to do harm. Yeah. Um, here's a practical one for us, uh, set limits. It doesn't mean you have to be a martyr or a doormat. Let them know their boundaries, but do it as objectively and kind as you can, especially with those who are toxic. It may be best to spend as little time as possible with them for your own well-being. Uh, and, you know, some of the, uh, the best Bible uh, advice that we can get, biblical advice we can get, uh, actually encapsulates all this stuff, and it's just in a simple two-line statement. Uh, James 1, 19, 20. Know this, my, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Mm. Considering the mountains of material available on difficult people, I think this offers a pretty good summary of what makes us difficult. I think so. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's at least a start. There's a lot of material out there. So hopefully from, from a clinical side, but even more important, biblically, hmm. uh, that it's some, some uh, practical stuff to use. Yeah, and even just kind of fun, that test, everybody at home can yeah, and, do and, that and... We agree. Does a husband wife do it? Uh, husbands, you'll find out you are the most difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, all that difficulty behind us for today, let's enjoy our featured song from last Sunday's worship. It's the Lauren Daigle song, Salt and Light. Song, song Facts posted this about the song. Daigle recalled, I wrote the song in my old apartment and thought, okay, Lord, I just have so much joy in my heart that I want to make sure that my life brings a beautiful song to you. I want my life to sing to you. The song title refers to Matthew 5, 13 through 16, where during his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus encourages his followers to be salt and light. Yeah, great song. Love the song. And and honestly, confession time, I, I didn't remember that Lauren Daigle wrote huh? this. So, yeah, really love the song. And since we're reversing roles a little bit uh, in our formula here, this is me doing the closing. <laughs> so I'll try and be as, as uh, suave as, as you usually And not are. difficult. And not difficult. May God empower you and you out there <laughs> to be salt and light wherever life takes you and not to be difficult. So with this song, enjoy. And until next week, be blessed.
You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Community's Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.